Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. As we're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., starting off here on Northeast Streaming Sports, live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer, Hall of Famer, Jack Hirsch, here to bring you all your sports updates, your previews, and getting you ready for the weekend on our Friday show, where we'll have guests on Byron Williams, our NFL analyst, Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk, the host there, and also the Philly sports guy, Jamie Paggs. And folks, just a, a quick reminder, Northeast Streaming Sports will be going to Roku and uh, on 3 January, where all the shows, all our videos on demand, all our specials will be on Roku TV. So if you have Roku TV, all you're going to have to do is search for NESSP, the Northeast Streaming Sports. If you don't have Roku TV, you can download the app by using a device. You can download it on your phone, on your tablet. I mean, we'll be live with our own sports channel over there um, on Northeast Streaming Sports, where Mac and Jack Sports will be sitting and leading off for the most part the day. So, Jack, how are you doing today? Good, Mac. You covered that thoroughly. You even covered, covered it by European fans. You say 3 January. You know, here in the United States, we say January 3rd. You're right. I mean, that's like the terminology, the way we talk. But you covered it worldwide. I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah, 3 January is a, a 3 January. The date is from the service. I've never lost that, Jack. You always dated things with the day, then the month, then the year. So some things are hard to break, some habits, even though I try to sometimes. So I for, think everyone knew what you meant. <laughs> well, good, Jack, and I'm glad you pointed it out so we could go over that for, for uh, a portion of the show here because that's important stuff. But a lot of sports, Jack, coming up today. I'm going to get to sports news before we get to our NHL and our NBA today, and then on with our guests. So it's, of course, a New Year's Eve day. And you got the NBA going strong today. You got, you know, NCA bowl games still going on. So today is going to be a lot of sports, a lot to choose from out there. If you want to watch anything particular, or if you're one of those, you know, the, the people that skim through, you have a lot of action to look at. But let's start off real quick with uh, with uh, the Hall of Fame finals. I just want to look at a few of them, Jack. Uh, Peyton Manning is up for his first time. I, I have no doubt. I, I don't know if you do. But he should be in the Hall of Fame for his ballot, no problem. Yeah, Peyton Manning, uh, he got inducted. Peyton Manning, he got inducted last year. Yeah, Peyton got in. So Did it's he get like, in? Did uh, he get in last year? Yeah, and Peyton Manning, it was a no-brainer. I mean, he's not even hardly worth mentioning. Anyone who doesn't vote for Peyton Manning, I mean, should you know, should not have had a vote. It would have been absolutely ludicrous, ridiculous, and you're you're on top of this. No, yeah, it was in last year. In fact, Tom Brady took off from practice to come, you know, to honor him, and uh, and he gave a glowing speech. Peyton Manning, you know, you wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, he right. got it. Right. So, so, so this year they have Devin Hester, and why that's interesting to me. Great kick returner, Chicago yeah, Bears. Yeah, he played a little defensive back and wide receiver, but mainly, as you said, an exciting kick returner, punt returner, scored a lot of touchdowns, put the Bears in a lot of good position to score if he didn't get touchdowns. Do you think that somebody can go in uh, the Hall of Fame as a return specialist? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, in this day and age, the answer would be no. 
the punt returners, kick returners aren't nearly as relevant as before. I mean, on kickoffs, if a ball goes into the end zone, it's automatically put on the 25-yard line. So why even return a kick? Because if a kick returner returns a ball out to the 30-yard line, you hear the commentators saying a very nice return. Okay, so all that work to just get a few extra yards. So they're not as relevant on the kickoffs because the NFL more or less for safety issues is trying to eliminate the kickoff. Punt returners, how often do you see someone break a punt for long yardage? If they can squeeze out an extra 5, 10 yards, it's considered a nice kick return. So no, no, I don't think in this day and age it's relevant. I think Devin Hester maybe is the last of the great kick returners. So do you think that might help him get in? I mean, uh, you know, the things he did with Chicago were unbelievable. Um, you know, you don't, like you said, you don't see that today. Uh, in fact, when they take it out, a lot of times they can not get to the 25-yard line. You see some now and then break, break and protection. And, you know, and you think about it, Jack, a lot of things happen on those punt and kickoff returns, right? Holding, hitting the back. I mean, you end up, when you bring it out, you end up get losing yardage. So it's a big chance to take. And as you said, Hester is probably uh, the last of the great uh, punt returns. I guess you could put, you know, um, I, I guess you could put Jackson in there too. Am I saying it right? Uh, the Eagles, what he did with the Giants, I guess maybe you could throw him in there. Um, Sean Jackson. Yeah, I think he might have a chance. You think of him more as a receiver causing, you know, damage yeah. that way. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Hester, Hester, but Hester. Give him a good shot. He doesn't have much company. That works in the guy's favor when you don't have a lot of company. Uh, it works that way in all Hall of Fames. One of the reasons it took Gil Hodges forever to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame because there were so many Brooklyn Dodgers, and their bad example would be Jerry Kramer with the Packers, their great guard with the Packers. He had to wait till he was age 78, the great Jerry Kramer, to get into the Hall of Fame, because so many Green Bay Packer players were getting in before him. He had so much company on that team. You know, it was hard to get into the party. It was like he was waiting on line forever. You know, yeah. to get in before he finally got his just due. I think Devin Hester gets in based on you, the lack. You, you bring up a great point that I kind of want to segue into a little bit later after this. Demarcus Ware from the Dallas Cowboys, a great, great pass rusher, um, good linebacker. I mean, I mean, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame material or not. I know he was a great player, but he's on the ballot. Uh, wide receiver Andre Johnson uh, is on the ballot. And Zach Thomas, linebacker for the Dolphins, who was a great linebacker. Um, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame worthy or not, but he was a great linebacker. He still has a chance of getting in. If Andre Ware gets in, Jack, and Jim Jeffcoat or or uh, Too Tall Jones don't, there's something wrong. Well, you know, they were basically same caliber players for the most part. I mean, pretty evenly matched. You know, sometimes it's the charisma issue comes into it, even though it shouldn't. Like you hear, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but Too Tall Jones. That's a charismatic name. Everyone's heard of Too Tall Jones just by the name itself. I mean, listen, take the average football fan, not the knowledgeable fan, the average football fan. They might not have heard of Jim Jeffcoat unless they were around when he played. But I'm going to tell you who they have heard of. 
a refrigerator Perry. They'll probably say, yeah, yeah, wasn't he the guy who played for the Bears? But they might have a harder time recalling the name Jim Jeffcoat. And Jeffcoat was miles ahead of refrigerator as a, pair, as a player. Uh, there were there were all pretty much, the, the, but the three names you mentioned, you know, Ware, Jones, Jeffcoat, pretty evenly, you know, matched all around, you know, and what they did. You'd have to analyze their stats pretty carefully. You know, it's a fact that it could help as well as hurt. Who did you have around you, playing around you? Like uh, one of the players you absolutely love, Mac, Harry Carson at Giants. It took him a little while to get in the Hall of Fame. And one of the things could have been the LT fact and some of the other players around them. You see, well, he had great players around them. So that, that maybe made it a little easier for him. While that's true, it's it, it shouldn't be held against the guy, okay? Because isn't it a team game? If other players can help you be better and you achieve a certain thing, you should get your due. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I mean, I understand uh, what you're saying, but if you look at, and, and this is something you brought up, you got certain teams that are stacked in the Hall of Fame. Right, yeah. the Green Bay Packers, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers got tons of players in there. From the Deservedly Super Bowl. so. And and, and the, of course the Giants with their older championship teams and the and the Super Bowl teams, but then I look at New England and New England in the last twenty years has dominated, dominated pro football like no other football team in history. But there's really not a lot of New England Patriots in the Hall of Fame. Tom Brady will be in the Hall of Fame. Brute. Uh, uh, Brewski is in the Hall of Fame, but not really that many, Jack. And when I think, and this to me goes as a testament to Bill Belichick, because Bill Belichick didn't have the players the Steelers had, if you want to match them up, or the players that maybe the Green Bay Packers had for their era to match them up. He didn't have a lot of all pros and, and, and great players. He just had great teams. Well, Matt, Matt, I don't... Com- I see where you're coming from, but when all said and done, the Patriots are going to have a comparable number of Hall of Famers to those other teams. Uh, Brady, Gronk, Adam Venaturi, you know, Richard Seymour, Vince Wolfock, you know, and, you know, certain other guys are going to get, Julius Edelman's going to be given consideration there. So I think when all is said and done, the numbers are going to start piling up when they become more eligible. That's well, like, my feeling. Yeah. Seymour's been eligible for years, Jack, and he hasn't got it. I think he'll eventually break through. That would be my feeling. Uh, but, I mean, can you re- can you really name a great Patriot back that played there for years or a great – uh, Patriots receiver that played there for years. Edelman is well, Randy, Randy Moss, but when he came, no, to them, they thought he was on the downside, and then he regained. He's, you know, he's really a Viking. He he's really part. a Viking. He's not a Patriot. Yeah, he won't go as a pay. Wouldn't go yeah. as a Patriot. Yeah, you right. think of him as a Viking guy, right? So I mean, I, I can't think of any players, uh, a lot of players anyway, that really held uh, a position for the Patriots of greatness. Except for Brady, maybe Brewski, who's in there right now. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a weird. I mean, if you you can almost name if you've been around football all the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, you know, and their offense too, as far as wide receivers, running backs. But I mean, you could name them all if you've been around football. Patriots is. I mean, if you tell me who is the best Patriot running back in the last twenty years, 
uh, for the Patriots. Um, I don't think he would be a whole lot. I could say before that, Curtis Martin, right? You know, before Belichick with right, Bill Parcells. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you're right as far as that goes. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. Some, some teams win with just very good players. You know, yeah. they'll win with, you know, Brady Thunk or Wes Welker. Wes right. Welker, you know, might not be thought of as Hall of Fame material, but right. he's a darn good player. And sometimes he could win with darn good players. You know, may, maybe not great players, but very good players. But to dominate like that, Jack, that's kind of crazy. Well, um, you know, they, they went to nine Super Bowls in the in 18 or so years with, you know, the Belichick. Brady thing. Keep in mind this. They did do it in cycles because they did have an absence of about 10 years between Super Bowls that they went to. They did have that long gap. But but the point is, I, I understand what you're saying. They c- completely dominated, for the most part, the AFC East. Every year, they were one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Every single yeah. year for 20 years, okay? Yeah. And that's as close to a dynasty as you're going to get. Listen, in the past, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they won four Super Bowls in six years. Then they kind of faded out. The Cowboys won three in four years. Then they faded out. The Buffalo Bills went four years in a row. And then that was the last time they went to Super Bowl during the Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith era. And But the Patriots would always maintain that they wouldn't be there a few years. They'd get back. And it, yeah, 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 the closest thing to an and you know a dynasty in the sense that they were always relevant, always yeah. in the mix, always yeah. a preseason favorite. Over in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield is getting death threats because of the the way the Cleveland's falling apart now. Now I'm a fan as as much as anyone of my team, and I my team uh, pretty much stinks the last four years. I can never imagine Jack actually sending messages and death threats, whether they're real or not, to any player in any sport because the team isn't performing well. To me, that's not a fan. That's a total idiot. Well, you know, a, a lot of the times, a lot of the times they actually find out who sets, sends the threats and they basically give them a quiet warning because a lot of times when they're sent, they're sent by someone who has no criminal background at all. They're just a disgruntled fan doing something very stupid by sending out the threat. And maybe law enforcement should clamp down on these people. You send out a threat. It's now on your record. you got to perform, let's say, a thousand hours of community service and the type of community service that might not be the most pleasant thing to you at all. And law enforcement can find out who sends out these threats. But a lot of times they basically give the person a warning. And when the person finds out and when they confront the person, law enforcement, normally the person is shaking and they're scared out of their wits because they don't think they do something stupid by sending these threats. But to me, you got to take these threats seriously. If it's an adult that sends out these threats, I mean, something's got to be done about it. You can't just send someone a, a you know, a threat like that. And they can find out who sent out these oh, threats. Definitely. And I hope they do. And I hope they take some type of action because it's completely unacceptable. And for those fans who send out the threats, 
get yourself a life or something. I mean, that that is pathetic that you would send out any type of threat like that. That is absolutely pathetic. It's sick and it's illegal. Okay. And Mm -hmm. something should be done about it. I agree. So let's, let's, happened to the NHL last night. The Blue Jackets beat the Predators 4-3. The Hurricanes beat the Canadians 4-0. The Panthers beat up Tampa Bay 9-3. The Islanders escaped by their Sabres 4-1. Not a big win there to me. Uh, Calgary beats Kraken 6-4. Kings over the Canucks 2-1. And the Sharks beat the Flyers 3-2, Jack. So still going good for Excuse me. Still going good for uh, the uh, the Islanders uh, are hopefully I should say the Islanders hopefully start getting together, um, and uh, you know the Flyers are still up and down. So well, Flyers uh, are only one position, one spot out of playoff position, and uh, they're in the fifth seed right now. If the season ended, and I think the first four are going, you know, in that division to the playoffs, so they're kind of like a middle of the pack team right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. They're still in it. The Islanders have their work cut out for them. There's time to straighten out. Yeah. And right. you know, we're waiting. Last night, you know, hopefully, you know, puts them in the right direction. They've seemed to stabilize a little bit and uh listen, but let's face it, like if you can't beat the Buffalo Sabres, yeah. I mean, how are you gonna have a turnaround? The Sabres actually got off to a good start this year. But now they're kind of slowly going toward, you know, backwards, as was expected. Sure, sure. I, I, it's weird because you would think a Buffalo team, you know, you think of Buffalo, you think of Cole, the Buffalo team would have a good hockey team. But yeah, who knows? In the NBA, the Bucks beat the Magic. The Bucks are starting to make a little bit of a move. The 76ers beat the Nets 110 to 102. And that's minus a couple guys, a couple stars for the Nets, but still good win for the 76ers. The Wizards over the Cavaliers, 110 to 93. Uh, and as I said, Jack, we got games all day today. So um, if you love the NBA, holy good God. Oh, well, yesterday was a fun game, the Sixers and the Nets, because Embiid and Durant were going at it. And it was nice to see two stars bring out the best in one another. Embiid was reacting to, you know, Durant kind of seeming to have taunted the Sixers the last time they played. So he was kind of giving it back. But after the game, credit both guys. They were profuse in their praise for one another. So the respect is there despite the antics on the court. And listen, when all is said and done at the end of this NBA season come playoff time, there's a very good chance the Nets and Sixers are going to meet at some point. You know, it's not a certainty because sometimes a surprise happens. Like last year, look, the Atlanta Hawks made a late surge and they upset the Sixers in the playoffs. And the Hawks have been one of the NBA's biggest disappointments this year. You thought they were the team of the future with Trey Young, you know, Collins and the other guys. Instead, they're a few games under 500. And, of course, the Sixers have been dealing with the Ben Simmons saga, the Nets, the Kyrie Irving saga. The Bucks seem to have it a bit together. You know, something about that team, I kind of like with Giannis to focus. You know, I, I you know, you kind of really like that, what I see out of the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they're not going to be easy to beat in the postseason. Hey, listen, I, I, I have 
no, well, I should say no doubt. I, I very much think they're going back to the championship, Jack. That's the only team that has chemistry and that plays together. And and that's I, I don't care what stars you got on your team. If they can't play together, it doesn't really matter. And I yeah. think the well, Bucks are I think they go back to the championship this year, Jack. I really do. I think they got a good team, real good team. You know, Giannis is a great, great leader, that team, a great leader. And you look at the other teams in the East. The Kevin Durant, as great as he is, and he is a all-time great player yeah. in my book, he's not a leader. He's yeah. just not a leader. He's, he's basically a follower. He performs great on the court. But he's not the type of player to get the team together. Because as soon as Kyrie Irving comes back, Durant takes a back seat to him. Yeah. You know, and there was no reason. Durant should find a way. This should be his team. He should be the leader of the team. Case close. And especially James Harden, to his credit, he's willing to defer to Durant. Even though he was a leader his whole career at Houston, he comes over to the Nets, and he just wants to fit in, and he'll do whatever role he's asked to do. And Kyrie Irving really messed that chemistry up with the Nets. And now that he's out, you know, it's maybe the Nets get it together. Maybe they win the NBA championship. They certainly have the talent. Like Tony Page mentioned on our show yesterday, well, when Joe Harris comes back, he'll give him three-point shooting. His three-point shooting, unfortunately – against the Bucks in the playoffs last year, went flat at the end, which hurt the Nets. But, you know, if the Nets have everyone together come playoff time, they're going to be hard to beat. But like you say, Mac, I like the Buck chemistry. It's good right now. It would be good all year, Jack. I guarantee you that unless somebody gets hurt. Listen, Tony also brought up Kyrie Irving playing only away games where that could end up losing a series for him if they're at home. So, you know, I don't – I. Who I would feel kind of bad for, I I don't feel bad for him because he he forced a trade. But if you look at the beard, I mean, he was with Houston, almost got there. He goes to the Nets, which is a team that was favored and I think still favored if they're all on the court to win the championship. Suppose he plays there for the next couple of years and they don't. I mean, if you're if you're hard in what do you feel? I mean, you know, you you are the number one guy in Houston. You almost go to the finals with Houston, and you come over here and you do defer, become a great disher. I mean, he's not a point guard, but, he, man, he plays like a great point guard some games. <laughs> and he does defer to these two guys, and he ended up not going anyway. You know, Steve Nash is the coach, but Kyrie Irving is running things when he's there, basically. Not at this moment, obviously. He's not there, but he went to James Harden, and he says to James Harden, you handle the ball, you play the point, and leave the scoring to me. Well, let me tell you something, Mac. James Harden's a better scorer than Kyrie Irving. James Harden's a scoring machine. Kyrie Irving is a very good, good scorer, but James Harden's like a machine. James Harden should have came back and said, no, you play the point, and I score. I'm a better scorer than you, Kyrie. That'll help the team more. But Kyrie Irving... Never wanted to adjust the point guard from his years with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It frustrated the heck out of LeBron James. He wanted Kyrie Irving to run the offense, basically. No one says he can't score as a point guard. No one says he can't score a lot of points. But someone has to handle the ball. And Kyrie Irving basically didn't want to do it. He wanted 
James Harden to do that so he could concentrate on scoring. The coaches should have stepped in. They should have said, no, Kyrie, you're handling the point. And if you can't handle it, we'll find someone who can. But you want to know something? Because Kevin Durant is Kyrie Irving's buddy. If you tick off Kyrie Irving, you antagonize Kevin Durant. You know, Charles Barkley did an interview with uh, Kevin Durant last season, and Durant was giving him one-word answers because uh, Charles Barkley had criticized Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant's buddy. So Kevin Durant, that was his way of having Kyrie Irving's back. It's funny. Everyone has Kyrie Irving's back, but Kyrie Irving doesn't have that back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand the magic he has over some of these, these players and, and teams, Jack. I know he's a great athlete and a great basketball player. Well, he, he couldn't force it with LeBron. LeBron <clears throat> no. was too dominant a personality. Kyrie Irving had to back off with LeBron. And with the Celtics, he was there two years. It, it, the relationship didn't work out. Part of it was he got injured. Part of it was it just didn't work out him there, the chemistry. They thought he was for sure going to, you know, get them to the finals, maybe deliver them an NBA championship. Boston was ready. The pieces were in place. Uh, and it just didn't work out with Kyrie Irving there. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if ever will, Jack. Backstage right now, folks, we have our NFL analyst, Byron Williams, who joins us every Friday. Helps break down the NFL for us. Former NFL star wide receiver with the Giants, other teams in the NFL, the Canadian Football League, and over in the World Football League. He's been around football a long time, Jack, on some great teams. So let's bring Byron up and see what's going on. How you doing, Byron? Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Good morning, really? Byron. The best team in the World Football League, uh, the Canadian Football League, have ever been able to compete with the worst NFL team, worst NFL team, give them a game, maybe just lose by seven points, you know, tooth and nail type game. I, I would probably say so. I, I would probably say, yeah, because there's been some pretty worse, some bad NFL teams. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's some great talent uh, up in Canada. And in the World League, a lot of those guys um, I thought was kind of like players that they, they, that they have on their second and third screen in the NFL, as well as they practice roster. Um, these players are quite not developed yet. Uh, uh, they they miss some, some confidence, a uh, little inconsistent here and there. But mostly th these are good, good, talented, good, talented uh, groups of talent, I think, for uh, skill set. Uh, one of the things I think coming this March is I think the USFL is, uh, is launching a league. So I think that's really good for so many players. I get people calling me all the time about um i need to call an agent i need to i need to know if this kid can go to college so it's a lot of talent out there and and, and i think it's good for just competition it's good for you know um the coaches to move around as much as they do because they can bring some of these players that they got relationships in as well and it just it just helped with uh, you being active i know i just want to stay active i, I played for one coach uh when i when i played up in canada and everywhere he went, I went. And I was the first guy he called, and that, that kept me active. I mean, I played oh, nice. another eight, 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 nine years just because this coach really liked me and my skill set. And I was always the fastest on the team and, and, and brought a little leadership on the field. Um, I've always been one of the guys that love to go back into the community, go into the schools, and talk to the kids. And so 
this coach liked me, and, and so it, it helped me to stay active and involved in the community as well. I'm up in Canada in the World League, you know, um, scoring touchdowns in, in uh, Germany, Frankfurt, Germany, scoring touchdowns in London, scoring a couple of touchdowns in Barcelona, Spain. And being able to see those countries was another amazing thing yeah. for me. Uh, it helped me with in my maturity. It just helped a whole lot. So I think I think if a player can get in that type of situation and continue to stay active and still continue to stay in shape because your immune system, you know, you need to be, you know, you need to be on top of your your, your body for us, um, not getting too um, overweight and things like that. So I think it would be good if we can create more more leagues and more involvement for people to stay active. Well, you know, Jack. Jack asks this question. Pops. Jack always pops things into my head when I'm not going along with, you know, what I have set up as format. And you brought it up. You know, you have the USFL. Uh, you're going to be having the XFL. I think's coming back, or, or is still there. I mean, do you? What? How's that going to affect the whole playing field, uh, Byron? You know, college football is really the feeder system into right. the NFL, right? So does this start watering down certain products? I mean, depending on who has money and what the players want to do, uh, suppose you get to get a contract from the XFL that would be more, or the USFL, that would be more than an NFL team. Do you go to the USFL because you want the money, or do you go to NFL because it's more prestigious? I mean, what happens with all that stuff? What kind of decisions do you think the players are going to have to make? I think that's a good point. I, I think players gonna have to make a decision um how much how high involved they want to want to make. But also in NFL is, is is the ultimate uh goal for all the players because of the benefits, the retirement, the pension, and things like that. You can get set up uh for life. You know, you can start getting early retirement at age 45, or uh, your normal retirement is age 55 in the NFL, and then of course the maximum retirement is age 65. In NFL, so you, it gives you options, but also uh, with with the way things are, it's all about winning in the NFL. It's all about what kind of coaches you have in the mix. So, but but the way I think about it, it's kind of like what fits you, what 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 you feel comfortable with, um, because uh, NFL and USFL, and XFL, all those games, you can become injured. It can you can um, you can experience a game ending injury that could that could hurt you in the long run. So there's a there are some consequences as well when you're making those decisions early on. You know, I think I think you got to just evaluate yourself and say, hey, I think this would be best. But for me, it, I, I was kind of settled. The day is my 38th uh, anniversary with my wife. I've been married 38 years and the last day of the year. So it, some guys have family, some guys don't. So it just depends on um what you what you how it, how it fits your mode and how you how it fits your livelihood but you have to make some serious serious decision because uh 10 years being removed from playing football 20 years down the road you might have some health health uh condition that might affect you and your family and your well-being so those are some of the things that you have to really consider but mainly you know it's the insurance and, and the things that you're gonna need for you know, for life that for the, for the health and the wellness of your life. So those are some of the things I think a lot of players need to need to decide as well. Um, I know with the arena league, when the arena league was going on, it was a lot of players playing in the arena league. Then they would go and um, and then they go and uh, uh, apply for workman comp 
comp and stuff like that. So there, there's consequences and there's benefits as well when you're making these decisions. Does reti retired players from the NFL, do they have lifetime health benefits from the NFL? How many years do you have to play if, if that's the case? Good, good, uh, good point. Um, the insurance on the NFL carry carry up to five years after you after you retire. So after five years, you have to decide what you need to do for you and your family. So after five years being removed from the NFL, uh, you have to get your own insurance and 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 uh, whether it's with another company or another job, but you have to decide. And that's one of the things that players need to consider after five years of playing in the National Football League. Well, pretty interesting stuff. So let's, let's get to the games, uh, Byron, coming up uh, this weekend. There's a lot with playoff complications. I want to talk just a few with you. Uh, and, and the first one I want to talk to you about is Kansas City at uh, Cincinnati. Kansas City is favored by five. This is a chance for Cincinnati to pretty much own that North Division. It's pretty much a chance for Cincinnati to make a statement that we're here to play with the big boys, uh, their defense – they say it's one of the best defenses in the league. I think that's suspect. They definitely have an offense. I compared them to a poor man's Kansas City uh, offense because they got weapons. They got a young quarterback. And, of course, Kansas City has just got fireworks over there. But Cincinnati's not far behind them. I mean, Kansas City has everything wrapped up. They really don't have a lot to play for. Cincinnati does. I mean, not only the, the uh, title, but maybe still get knocked out of the playoffs altogether. What do you see this game boiling down to, Byron? Man, I see it gonna be a firework. I, I um, you know, Kansas, uh, Cincinnati been scoring uh, fifty or more touchdowns, uh, just as many as the Rams. They both have ten uh, touchdowns over fifty yards, and they're exciting. And, and Joe Burrow's right now is killing it. So it, I think it's gonna be good. I think it'll be it, it'll be something that they um, need to win the AFC North. Uh, which they hadn't done since 2015. So I, I think this is going to be a, a real exciting game, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I, I just think right now um, Cincinnati's playing good football, and, I, and they're exciting to watch. They got receivers that's all over the place. They can throw the ball, and they got some excitement. Like you said, their defense is playing well, So um, and, and then their running back is really good. So I just think, you know, Kansas City – kind of injured a little bit too and they 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 on an eight game winning streak so they got a lot of momentum and a lot of firework as well so it's gonna be a, a great game it might be one of those 42 to um 38 games that you know we like to watch and very entertaining so I, I think it's really good also for the city and the fans of Cincinnati listen Cincinnati has to win the game to join the big boys I don't want to see them lose 42-35 and say, oh, we showed we could play with anyone. You know, I mean, this is their game that finally, if they win, you could say they joined the elite. I've been a skeptic as far as the Cincinnati Bengals go. I know they're charismatic, Joe Mixon at running back, Jamar Chase, you know, Burrow at quarterback. You know, they have the playmakers. They've got to actually get it done. They beat Kansas City, then they're for real, Okay. There's someone to take seriously. They lose to Kansas City, even if they play a relatively close game. That doesn't do it for me. I think you're completely, absolutely right. And I think this is one of those games um, that's important to them to put themselves in the epsilon force. Mm -hmm. uh, we are here. We are we are a team to be, you know, we are a contender, a playoff contender, and have a chance to go into the to Super Bowl. So I, I like mm -hmm. I, what I like about Cincinnati 
you know, they they got a lot of good young players and they got a lot of heart and they play the game and they're exciting to watch. So last week proved that. So I, I just think if they can put another um another game plan together like they did last week, Kansas City gonna be in trouble this week. We got the Rams minus four and a half in Baltimore. Kind of unfair because Jack it looks like Jackson's not playing, he's limping, he's out, he's out there. Their second string quarterback was pretty exciting when he played against Green Bay. I think his name is Nunley, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he played really good against Green Bay, and they might have and they might have won that if they didn't miss that two-point conversion, which was a coach call. Um, the Rams still are in a fight for the division title. Baltimore might be out of it if they lose to the Rams. Huge game. Can Bal- does Baltimore have enough heart? And I think it's going to come down to heart uh, this game because the Rams, I think, outclass them a little bit defensively and offensively. It's going to be all hard if Baltimore wins this. Can they do it, Byron? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Baltimore just been going the opposite way, and the eight and seven. Um, you know, it was it was leading that division the whole season until last week. But you know, if if Lamar Jackson's not ready to go, Baltimore ain't gonna be able to to take it to the next level. They ain't gonna be able to make it to the playoff. And of course, injury is just a key factor right now with a lot of these teams. And it really affecting Baltimore more than probably anybody else out there. But definitely um, um, the Rams right now seem like they're getting their, their their chemistry together. I mean, the players are getting to know each other. And I think right now um, the, what I like about this game, though, you got two great coaches. And I think that's that's going to be a, a chess match deciding on how, how effective the defense play on both sides. Is McVay uh, a great coach? I mean – has he proven I, to be a great coach? I mean, isn't that a little premature? It is premature, but I, I just like what he have done uh, up, up to this point. Just think, he he bring in certain players. He, he you know, he went and got Von Miller, things like that. I, I like his approach. He lost three in a row at one point this year. He didn't seem like he was that great a coach, and there's a lot of talent there. Absolutely, but I, but what I like too that some games you you lose because of. So some of the, some of the schemes not there yet. The players don't quite match up with everything that you want to do a, a while as a team. So, but I like what they do. I, I I just I like I like they take chances. And I, right now they got the attitude of we need to win right now. And you know you got a lot of teams talking about two or three years from now. But the Rams mm-hmm. are consistently trying to win right now and go to the Super Bowl. I think I think they on they on that pace. Byron, they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So I think this. McVay is going to be. I don't know if he's a great coach, but he's sure on his way for a young coach. Sure let me, let me, let, but let me ask the team they're playing Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. He's finishing his fourth year. Do you invest in him long term and give him the big, big contract, like pay him as one of the highest quarterbacks in the league uh, or not? Do you, I mean, looking forward, if they franchise tag him, that's going to be a bad luck. That's going to create an uncomfortable situation, even though technically they can do it. That means they're saying we need time to think it, think it over. He's been, it, this is his fourth year. Considering all the factors, you invest in him big time. I, I think I would because right now he's the face of the franchise, and I would sit him down and tell him what the responsibilities are, what what our expectation is for us. He does great things in the community as well. But I think you just have to take a chance on him because what other quarterbacks you gonna you gonna try to bring in? I think too, 
you you got the key guy there to help you get to the Super Bowl, but now you got to bring good running backs in. You got to bring some some receivers. I mean, he's been doing a lot on his own. So yeah, I think with the things that he he had done on the football field, that uh, I would have to I would have to pay him just to say, hey, we got this is your franchise, this is your team, and let let's uh, let's try to let's go let's go to the Super Bowl. And so those are the things I would do as a general manager. I would try to make sure that this guy, he don't do no off the field. He don't have no off the field problems with anything like that. So you look at everything that he brings to the table, and if he brings enough positive things to the table, then I would definitely uh, try to pay him and, and make sure that he's comfortable and make sure we build around him, like the offensive line, the defense, things like that that he needs to, to have a complete package. But later on, we talked about this the other night, uh, running quarterbacks only have a short time in this league. That's why I asked, do you invest in him considering, let's forget what he's done moving forward. Is he worth it? But, you know, what I seen with him this year was uh, his passing have improved. The way he's throwing the ball have improved. So he still got some improvement to do. But, yeah, I would, I still would invest in because you look at the quarterbacks that's out there. I mean, he, you know, he's been an MVP. So he, things like that you have to look at and you got to constantly build well, well, around Byron, Byron, let me expound on that. Suppose Nunley plays today and they win. And he plays next week and they win again. Without Jackson, does that change your mind at all? And suppose, suppose they get in the playoffs. It wouldn't change my mind because it's hard to become an uh, MVP in the, in the NFL. He he he'd been an MVP, so he's already in an elite class. I I was still he still this is his team. You know, I, I you can't do it. You can't you can't like forget what he have done. I can't. Well, yeah, but Mac has a point. If a quarterback goes on a roll, Tony Romo was out. It was his team. Zach Prescott took over. He went on an unbelievable roll, and Romo could never get the job back, retired at the end of the year, okay, because Zach Prescott was phenomenal. That's the point. You know, I think Mac wants to get on this. Lamar Jackson have it no matter what. No one's going to replace a Patrick Mahomes no matter what a backup did. They could go on the greatest run. It's Mahomes' job. It's Aaron Rodgers' job. But we're talking about Lamar Jackson here. Well, why Nothing. wouldn't they? Well, why wouldn't they, Byron? And I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm saying there's a lot of things co to consider. I was just saying, if I was the general manager, this is what I would yeah. do. Well, 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 what I'm saying is like Lamar Jackson has rushed the ball in his career more than any quarterback in the first. I mean, I think it's like 615 times in three years. They right. built running plays around him. He's going to get hurt. Do you take that into consideration? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a business too. And if, if you do sign him to that long contract and he gets hurt and he can't play anymore, you're eating that contract. So Yeah, and, and that, that's the risk that these teams have to take. But I would I would still try to build around him too to make sure that he don't have to run as much and consider those things too because, I mean, he, do we have a pro Bowl receiver? No. So I mean things like that. I mean they got a great tight end, and and, and uh, they they got some things in place. I just think they need to add a couple of other things to to bring more value to to what he what he can add to the team overall. Let me just ask you this: This might seem crazy. I see nothing wrong with having Lamar Jackson now and then as a situational running back. You flip the ball out to him. You know, and he rolls out to the side. And what a threat to throw it, to run, 
I mean, the defenses would be out of whack trying to well, guard he's, this he's, guy. He's Jack, he's already that threat. He's already yeah. that. What do you got? Put him in a, 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 If you have another quarterback in with him who's a threat to, you know, pass, and all of a sudden, he, you know, he flips it to Lamar Jackson, you know, just throws the defense yeah. off. Balance. Now you're trying to be an offense coordinator or what? I'm trying no, to no, figure what what he wants to do, No, what he wants to do, Byron, is to change it into a Sandlot football game. And that doesn't no, no, but Lamar Jackson is the best runner in the NFL. That's the no, point. He's a running back who's disguised as a quarterback. I wouldn't say he's the best runner in the NFL. I just think they need to bring some more pieces to yeah. help him for what his skill sets. For, for yeah. his, you know, they ain't got no Pro Bowl receiver. Right? Well, Sammy, receiver. Why would they have Sammy Watkins? He hurt me. Watkins, yeah, Sammy, 30 years old. What can they do but to <laughs> pick up a Sammy Watkins? That was a great acquisition by the Raiders. Right. He bring experience, but he's not he's not healthy. He hadn't been healthy. Hell, in the last three or four years, he hadn't completed a whole season without getting hurt. You got to bring in some receivers that going to be healthy that you can have some, some of the things that they're doing in Cincinnati. Getting these, getting these long 50-some-yard touchdowns, bring some excitement, stretching the defense. Those are things that you, that he need. And he, but he, he do have that number five, which is a good receiver. But I'm still saying that, you know, he just needs help in the running back department and a couple other positions to just bring more value to their team. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Byron. Yeah, I do too. And, and But it would be a shame. Because I think if Lamar Jackson isn't quarterback, they're going to change that whole system in Baltimore. We'll see. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you got Miami at Tennessee. Miami in this big, of course, run winning games. Going up against Tennessee, who's still playing for a pay playoff position as far as where they're seated. Miami can Miami. I don't know if Derrick Henry's playing or not. I don't think he's playing. But can Miami continue this? I mean, Tennessee's got a good team overall. And Miami has to win to stay alive, Byron. They have to win, stay alive, and right now, you know, uh, they playing, they playing lights out. I mean, they playing with a lot of confidence. Seem like, seem like they, to me, it's gonna be hard to stop them. But, but I think this is gonna be one of those games where it's gonna be a fist fight all the way to the end. Um, and and, and going, and going to, uh, and they they've been proven to go uh, on the road and, and win these these tough games, games that they. So right now they playing with a lot of momentum. Um, Tua is playing good, throwing the ball well. So I just think uh, Miami, uh, but I do like the toughness of the Tennessee Titans. But Tennessee Titans really not a home team. I mean, they they have slipped up on some things, but you know now they got AJ back, and uh, so I just think uh, they they're gonna be hard to beat. And so it should be a good game. But but this these are the games that you want to really see now. Because if you win, you can get a chance of going to the playoff. If you lose, you get ready to go home. You know, it's it's Miami. They've taken care of business, but they haven't had the toughest schedule. A couple of wins over the Jets, beating New Orleans last week. I mean, Ian Book, who filled in as the Saints quarterback, he'd never thrown an NFL pass before. I don't care what his stats said. He still hasn't thrown an NFL pass. <laughs> it was sad to watch. I mean, this guy was at Notre Dame. He was a fourth round, you know, uh, draft pick, which isn't that, you know, it's just somewhat high. You know, you expect guys in the fourth round to at least make the team. 
and he was bad, but the announcers kept blaming the offensive line, the this and that. I mean, I felt bad for him as a human being. I mean, he really, I don't mean to jump on the guy, but Ian Book, I mean, what was he doing? He was totally lost. And, that, and that's a good example of a good, that's a good example of a good college player trying to uh, uh, make his way into the NFL. That's all, people don't understand. You only want 1,696 players play in the National Football yeah. League. And they always calling me, talking about, man, can I get a chance to play in the National Football League? I, I, I can do this. I, I can bench 500. This guy called me yesterday and said, I bench 500 pounds. I said, what? Is that an indication that you're going to play in the National Football League? Come on. But, yeah, you're right. You have to be right, Jack. Um, but he, he rolled out. And then once he rolled out, you know, guys were chasing him. And it's like he just wanted to get rid of the ball. He reminded right me when I, you know, taught night school at high school. I took the class out to the football field, and I was a phys ed teacher. I wanted to, I had to play quarterback to control the class. And they flipped the ball to me, and I didn't know a couple of the kids had played on the team, and they're rushing me. And I'm just getting rid of the darn ball, throwing it anywhere. That's what he, you know, was looking like on the field. It was, it was bad news. But you're right, there's a limited amount of positions but to see some of these quarterbacks, I mean, Jake Fromm, too, with the Giants. He just, you know, and he was a fifth-round pick out of Georgia. He came from a big program. And yeah. all of a sudden, there's a rude awakening. This isn't college anymore. You know, I'm with the big boys. And it's, uh, man. Well, real quick, since Jack mentioned the Giants, we'll mention the Giants and the Jets together. Um, it looks like there's going to be some kind of overhaul of the Giants. I'm not sure how how much. I think Judge is safe for one more year. I don't know about the GM. I don't know about Daniel Jones. I don't even know about, say, Quan Barkley. I don't know if any of those guys will uh, get their contracts now. Um, right. It looks like the Jets are better than the Giants. I mean, if I think if the Jets played the Giants right now, the Jets would beat the Giants, by the way. I don't think so. It's just, it's just <laughs> the mindset. It's just the mindset that you have as a being a being a player on the Giants team. You cannot let the Jets beat you. If you do, you need to move out of New York. So I think, I think they'd be moving, Byron. I think there'd be a train waiting for him if that's the truth. I mean, but you know what? I tell you what. According to the way their quarterback play is, they'll beat the Jets. Will probably beat them right now. No doubt. No doubt. But the but the Giants got to go to Chicago this week, and they need to they need to win this game uh, just to get, just to get back to to reality that this game about winning and what have you done for me lately. If you don't do that, then you might want well to start looking for you another job. Guys, if you're a Giant fan, who do you want to win this game? Because the Giants have the Bears' number one draft pick next year, and the Giants have their own. The Giants have four wins. The Bears have five wins. For draft position, are the Giants better off beating the Bears because then they, you know, slip down a little? Are they better off with the Bears winning a game? I don't know. But like I said yesterday, the Bears coming back and beating Seattle – that really hurt the Giants, and it helped the Jets because the Jets have Seattle's number one pick in the Jamal Adams deal. So for new Jet Giant fans, there was a lot riding on that obscure game with Seattle and the Bears last week. Yeah, but, you know, when you look at the draft, if you ain't in the top 15, if you ain't getting the top 15 players, um, then you, you, you're missing out on some, on some great talent. So that's what I think. But, but yeah, you, you're right. I, I just think that um, – but still, at the end of the day, the Giants need to win this game. You can't go into no game trying to try to say that we we don't need to win. You have yeah. to win, 
And your and your in your life depends on cats. Right, the players, the players are gonna play to win, and they they got jobs, and the coaches are playing to win. They got jobs. The fans may think what they want, but really, when it comes to that, even though I do appreciate the fans tuning in, I don't give a damn what they want the Giants to do, win or lose. It does. I don't care because to me, it's all a bunch of nonsense. Whether you pick fifth or seventh, really doesn't matter. And you're gonna get a good quality player in the top two rounds anyway. So. I, I I think it's all a bunch of nonsense. It's just something to do because you're losing. You want to think other things to think about to maybe make you feel bad, better or, or, or about your team. Now, hey, we can get the fifth draft, draft choice instead of the sixth. No, you could, Mac. You could. But keep in mind, Michael Parsons went number 12. Carl Kitts went number four. And after Michael Parsons, you had no one of that caliber after. But, you, do, but you know what? You, you know. know what? This is what I know. You can learn a lot by your by your players on on their character, how they play now in these in this situation. You know, you going home for the winter, going home for the off season, and if you don't put maximum output of trying to win game, then do you want these players on your team? Or you need to get rid of them. That's what I liked about Bill Parcells. He was the type of player. He was the type of coach that always critiqued the players. And make sure they fit in the in the vision of that he want around his around his around the locker rooms, uh, on the football, on the practice field. He 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 always look at these players to make sure uh, if they don't fit what he's looking for, he's sending them home. And I think that's the way you have to you have to approach this this group uh, with the Jets and the Giants. You got too many players out there just going just making a check and not putting in any effort. You know, with Bill Parcells, people talk about the two Super Bowls. People don't talk about forgotten seasons. When Bill Parcells, one of the years he coached the Jets, they were two and eight, and then they won their last six games. That's something you should take with you forever, but the public forgets that, okay? But they won six in a row. Now, that's showing character when you're two and eight to win your last six. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. And that's a great point. I think that's what some of these coaches need to understand. That's what you have to show. You have to show that you got you can come in and win six, eight, ten games in a row and change the morale of your team. And that's that's a great point. Fireman, I want to thank you for coming in as you do every Friday if you don't oversleep. We love having you in. You're a great guest. And uh, everybody check out JMB Talking Shop Wednesday nights on at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central on the Northeast Streaming Sports YouTube channel, Will Byron and, and other NFL star, former NFL star, Dallas Cowboy Jim Jeffco have their show. They do a great job. Again, Byron, Happy New Year, and uh, and we'll see you in 2022. Yeah, Absolutely. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Byron. Okay, you guys have a great weekend. You too, my friend. So there you go, folks. Byron Williams, our NFL analyst, does a great job for us. We're going to take a quick break on the other side, folks. We'll have Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk to break down college football, the Knicks, the Patriots. I don't know. Maybe I'll break down something else. Maybe I will find out. So we'll be right back, folks. After these messages, please stick with us, and we'll be right back. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but you're aching yet in stomach gave this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Oh, Speedy.
feeding bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alcazar to gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say, 'Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B O L O G N A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? If you're talking, they will hear you. Oh, no. Come back to me, baby. Colton's personality is very loving, very supportive. He's one of the most caring children I've ever met. When we started the chemo, it just made him super, super sick. There we go. If you're talking, they will hear you. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. 
For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. As we start your day off here at Northeast Streaming Sports, coming up in a couple minutes, we'll have Keith Angle scheduled to come in here on uh, our Friday show. Uh, to remind you all, we will be going to uh, Roku Channel starting 3 January. The network um, will be on with our show Thursday of that week. Um, so will the other shows. As you saw, Byron was just here with JB talking shop with Jim Jeffco. He'll be on Roku. Also, Keith, when he gets in, we'll talk to him a little bit about that and, and all the things he's going through. And the first thing, Jack, is college football. Um, and we'll start talking about it before he gets in a little bit here. You know, we got a lot of interesting games coming up uh, besides the national championship this weekend here uh, with uh, Alabama versus Cincinnati and Georgia at Michigan. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines will be playing in two of the bowls. I think one's the Cotton Bowl. And I'm not sure. Is the other one the Orange Bowl, Jack? I, do you know uh, off the top of your head? I know the Cotton Bowl is one of them. Um, but there's a lot of interesting a lot of interesting lines there. You also got a couple big games that will be really interesting uh, with Notre Dame, who's lost their head coach, and, and one of the coaches has taken over. Uh, they'll be playing Oklahoma State, which is also in the top ten. And you'll also have, uh, you know, you'll have uh, – Baylor, whose defense played unbelievable, knocked off a lot of top-ranked teams to make way for uh, the top four. And uh, they'll be playing up against uh, – here he comes now. Here comes Keith now. They'll be playing up against uh, – let me get it for you uh, – against Mississippi, who's a very good team. So we've got a lot of good games coming on. We've had some good games, a couple of good bowl games, Tennessee and Purdue – Michigan State and Pittsburgh. I mean, really good, good games. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's bring Keith up and we'll continue the conversation about the college uh, bowl games coming up this weekend. How you doing, Keith? Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Glad you could stop in after your good show. Morning, and, and talk a little bit with us, uh, TGI Sports talk host himself, Keith Angle, who also, as I said, will be going to the Roku channel with Northeast Streaming Sports uh, coming up here 3 January. Uh, Keith, you know, the bowl games, there's 42 of them. Most of them are done. Uh, a lot of them make no sense to, to me anymore because they're not really the best teams in the country. And, of course, this is how we used to determine who the best team in the country was based off the major bowl games, and it's different now. Um, I was just talking about the other two of the other games. I know there's, been, there's going to be quite a few, but Notre Dame versus uh, Oklahoma State, I think there's going to be a good game. And yep. also, Arkansas—is uh, it Arkansas versus? Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Here I go. I got to look at my paper again. But Arkansas is playing Baylor. Am I right? Arkansas no. is playing. Uh, yeah. No, they're playing Penn State. Penn State, right, right. Penn State. Sorry, and uh, and Baylor is playing Mississippi. Those are going to be a few good games besides the uh, playoff games here. 
I think the games, the New York six, uh, New Year's Day six games are all pretty good matchups. To be honest with you, I really like the Notre Dame Ohio uh, Oklahoma State game. Um, I like Utah and, and uh, Ohio State a lot too. I, that oh Utah's playing some really good football right now, and I think that's going to be a fun game. And interestingly enough, I'd like to see Kentucky play Iowa because Kentucky hasn't played a New Year's Day game, and God, I don't even—maybe not in my lifetime. I'm not even sure. I'd have to go back and look, but yeah. maybe not since Bear Bryant was there. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm true. Go that, Jack. <laughs> Listen, I mean, did you? What did you think of it? I don't know whether you saw the Tennessee Purdue game at the end when it looked like Tennessee had scored basically the winning touchdown. The ball carrier was stopped at the goal line. Yeah. But the replay kind of showed he stretched out and, you know, when the ball broke the plane, but it wasn't called that way. And then Purdue wins the game. I, I don't know whether you guys caught the end of that, but that was pretty controver- controversial. It's controversial, you know, and it's tough to lose those games. But, you know, my take when I <laughs> is always don't let yourself get in a position to get beat by a referee's call. Right. Don't don't leave it to that. Was it a bad call? Hard to say. I mean, once you've called it one way on the field, it's got to be very uh, totally incontroversial, supposedly, uh, to be able to overturn it. And uh there just wasn't enough there to overturn it. So you know, I, I think you're, I think Ohio State game is going to be important for Ohio State, right? If if they win that game, maybe their program comes back next year. If they lose that program, it's going to leave uh, that game. It's going to be leave, leave a little doubt about Ohio State's capability next year, don't you think? Yeah, I I, I do, uh, especially with again the they really lost to the best two teams that they played all year um, in in uh, Oregon and. Uh, Michigan, and there's going to be questions. Listen, Ryan Day is a great coach, but I don't know that he's a long-term, you know, 30-year guy in a college game. He's a guy that will – I think he'll dabble with the pros, and who knows? There's going to be job openings, right? And we could see a little bit more of a coaching carousel in, in college. Maybe this will be a down year for that type of thought after Urban Meyer's uh, horrendous showing in Jacksonville, but there is still interest in great coaches – uh, on a college level going to the pros. But with the money that's available now, I'm not sure a lot of guys are going to make that move. So I have a theory. When a, a big-name college coach leaves a program to go elsewhere, it's normally going to be city-related. Maybe they're thinking of their family, and they just want to live in a warmer climate in a more appealing city. That's what I think it is maybe more so than leaving, you know, one program to go to one they think could be a little better. Possibly. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, they leave for all kinds of reasons. Brian Kelly leaves because he thinks he can got more better chance to win a championship at LSU than Notre Dame because of the, the recruiting standards are lower, right? Academic standards are lower. Whether that's true, we'll find out. But, uh, you know, the coaching movement, I will tell you the thing about these bowl games that's got to change. Something has to change with, with coaches being able to leave before the season's out with players being able to opt out for, uh, uh, you know, because they don't want to risk an injury with uh, players entering the transfer portal before the season's completed. Uh, there's just too much uh, that, it, especially if you want to expand this playoff, you can't have this, you know, coaches not being there, players not being there. And maybe, the, maybe the playoff itself will stop some of that. I don't you know, you know, know how, how, how would the NCAA stop that though? I don't I mean, know. They, I mean, they 
they they were powerful a couple of years ago. They couldn't stop it. How are they going to stop it now? Well, uh, you could for you could do a couple of things. The coaching uh, situation and why they leave when they leave is is tied to uh, the early recruiting uh, dates, right, and the deadlines. You could move those, and you could probably stop some of those coaches moving so early. Somebody uh, on one of my shows had a great idea about the NIL money. The players don't get it if they don't play in whatever bowl game the team selected to play in. Maybe you tie that to you know, them playing a complete season if they're healthy. Of course, they'll just find ways out of it. But no, I'm not saying it's an easy solution, Mac, but it's one that's wrecking these. Uh, and it's starting to creep into major bowl games now, right? You know, you saw a bunch of games canceled and they, and they used COVID, you know, as the reason, but it wasn't just COVID. I mean, the COVID cases on top of, Players transferring out early, that can be easily changed, right? You can't don't open the portal until January 5th or it's, whatever. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to go back and change a rule that you already made, and then lawsuits will be coming. And, you know, I mean, it just it, – I don't think you can stop it, Keith, unless you – there's no sanctioning body anymore, and the sanctioning body that was there before was full of crap. So, I mean, I they would have to – they would really have to uh, – uh, get all schools together and say, Hey, we're going to have one commissioner, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that'll ever happen. Well, Maybe they need to, they need to do something. Jack mentioned a, a really, what should have been a really good uh, game to watch Pittsburgh and, uh, and uh, Michigan state and the best two players in the game aren't there. Right. right, right. So that something's got to change somehow. 40, I don't know. 42 bowl games, Mac mentioned. I, it didn't sink in until he mentioned that. I mean, is it in the future? Is that going to go up? It's like a, like you mentioned, Keith, in the past show, it's like being given a participation certificate. Yeah. I mean, a program's really going to have to hit the pits not to be in a bowl game. Well, six and six. I mean, for two weeks, I watched six and six teams face off against each other. And I I don't need to see that. I really don't. And, and I understand teams want to get there because they continue to practice. Well, just extend their – after the season, you can practice for an extra month, right? Yeah. I don't need 42 bowl games. Yeah, but it's also the money that they get for going to bowl games too, Keith. You know that. It's not just it's not just the practice. They do get they do get funds for that too for going to a bowl game. Well, they don't get all the money. The conference uh, they all split the money, right? Yeah, but but so, still, how much are you getting from the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? I don't know. I would love to find out. I would love I, to find I'm out. Not sure we can pull up a list. Well, we can find yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's yeah, I'm, I'm, that, that, maybe I'll check that out. Um, let's get let's get to the playoffs, right? You got Cincinnati at Alabama, David versus Goliath. I will I'll be rooting for Cincinnati. I imagine almost everybody in the country outside Alabama will be rooting for Cincinnati. Um, what do you think? I mean, I mean, honestly, Keith, let's be honest. Let's now go by yep. in the sky. Um, yep. Cincinnati will have to establish something on offense. They're gonna have to establish. I don't care if it's running or passing. If they mix it up, they might. If something's working, they, they'll be able to mix it up. If they can't run the ball, they're going to be in for a long game. Well, I think they can run the ball because they've got one of the most underrated uh, backs in the in the in the in, in football. In football, I think in Ford, uh, who ran for twelve hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns this year. Um, their offensive line is very seasoned, and they've got a quarterback who's played his best games against better competition this year, and he's also. Uh, a veteran and we'll probably look at, he's got a lot on the line here. He plays a good game tonight. He's going to be a second round draft pick. If he stinks it up, he might be a six round draft pick in, in Ritter. And I think Cincinnati needs to control the football and not turn it over. So Ritter needs to kind of manage the game, 
control the clock and keep his defense off the field. It's a good defense, by the way, with two uh, really good uh, defensive backs in Brian Gardner. Uh, Gardner's going to be a first-round draft pick this year, and Brian's liable to be uh, when he comes out as well. He was the, 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 the Thorpe Trophy uh, winner this year, is the best defensive back in the country. And I think they can control that passing game if they get some pressure on Bryce Young. That's going to be the, the keys to control the trenches, right? Like any other football game, if you control the line of scrimmage, you're going to have a chance to win. I think they keep it close. I picked them to win. That might be pie in the sky, but I will tell you that I do think in the fourth quarter, they will be in a position to, to win this football game. Is Cincinnati representing more than just their university? Are they? Is it like Hoosiers? Let's yep. see, win this one for all the small schools that never had a chance to be here. Let's win this one for all the non-powers, all the non-traditional powers who've never had a chance to be here. Is yeah, that, I, if they get blown out, does that hurt other schools as well? Yeah, I talked about it on the college football huddle and and uh, the show this morning that. I, it could, this could either help or hinder them, right? Because they are carrying the hopes of a lot of other schools. All these group of five schools that have never gotten this opportunity, they carry them with them. And it's either going to be great incentive for them or it's going to be too much weight to carry. I don't know. I think the, the former, I think it's going to give them incentive to go out there and play well. And again, you got to remember, Alabama's Alabama. I get it. But this isn't the, this is not a, the normal Alabama team we're used to seeing. They've got the best coach in the history of college football. Yep. But they weren't ready to play three times against three really, uh, two really bad football teams and one mediocre team in Texas A&M, which they lost to a backup quarterback. Well, well, everybody said that until they beat the hell out of Georgia too. So that's one game. Hey, Show me well, more. That, that was a very important game, Keith. Uh, well, you, you got George this. You got, you got the historically great Michigan Wolverine team. Yep. Uh, Harbaugh finally gets to the playoffs. Um, you know, to me, that's the one of the big stories is Harbaugh, right? Can he beat Georgia? Can his team beat Georgia, which is going to be, you know, ground and pound versus one of the best defenses in the league? Yeah. And then you got, as Jack brought up, the whole college football uh, system. Versus the SEC, because these both are SEC teams. And the SEC looks like the, it, well, it is. I mean, if you want to be honest, the strongest conference in the in the country is getting stronger next year and mm -hmm. may get stronger after that. So there's a lot of storylines. Jack brought it up. It's not just, you know, the, the uh, lesser teams versus, you know, uh, the big school. It's the whole nation versus the SEC this weekend, Jack. Yeah, unless you're an uh, Alabama or Georgia fan, obviously. But uh, Michigan's a great story. I mean, as great a story as Cincinnati is, Michigan's a good story, too. They had won the Big Ten in 17 years. Jim Harbaugh had never beat Ohio State, which is hard to keep your job at Michigan for long if you don't do that. And both those things changed this year. They'd never made a playoff with Jim Harbaugh or anybody else since this uh, system came into play. That went away this year. Now the key is, can they take it further? This Georgia team was dominant all year long. They only played one close game uh, before the championship game. And I think that might've hurt them. And I think they got out of their, their, what they did well all year long. I think they got away from that in, uh, in the, in the Bama game and too much blitzing and one-on-one -on -one in, in the secondary. And 
and it got away from them that game. And I do think they will rebound uh, against Michigan, but I think it's going to be a very, very good team. If, if there's a team out there that can maybe control the clock, again, keep controlling the trenches. We've talked about it, and we can talk about it in every game. If they do that, they've got the best running back tandem probably in the country um, in Haskins and Corum. Both of them ran for close to uh, one over, I, I think it was uh, Haskins over 1,200 yards, but Corum was almost at 1,000 yards. They want to run the football. Georgia's strength is stopping the run. So it's going to be strength against strength. Now, you'll probably see some play action out of uh, Harbaugh early in the game trying to take advantage of uh, – you know, of what the Georgia's going to stack the line and try and stuff them. But at the end of the day, Michigan's going to have to run the football to win this game. And if if they do run it effectively, they'll have a chance to win. I expect a very close game here myself. I think it'll be – it might be the best game of the two. I mean, Alabama, look at much as I like Cincinnati's chances, that could turn into a blowout. It could. I'll be very, you know, blunt about that. I don't think this game will. I think this game is going to be very tight and down to the wire. And – but I do like Georgia to win the game at the end of the day. Is there more at stake than just winning or losing? Is the future recruiting at stake for these universities? If Cincinnati should win, does that hurt Ohio State, you know, in the recruiting battle with Cincinnati because they're elite high school prospects, you know, from the state of Ohio who might tend to go to Cincinnati now instead of go to Ohio State? Same with Michigan and Michigan State. If Michigan can take it a step further, might they gain an edge of Michigan State in recruiting going forward? Well, yeah, anytime you win, it's going to help your recruiting chances, right? And Cincinnati's going to have the, the added edge of moving to the Big 12 here in a couple of years, so that's going to help their recruiting. Um, just getting to this playoff helps Cincinnati's recruiting, and and I think they're they're the big winner here, whether they win a game or they don't. They're the big winner here, and so are all the other group of five teams because – kids rather than go sit and be a third stringer at Alabama or Georgia might want to go somewhere else where they got a chance to play. How so, can you so, not root for Jack, Jack, let's push out before we run out of time. Um, yep. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the Knicks. The Knicks quietly have won three in a row. Yep. They're keeping the other teams under 90 points, which means they're starting to play defense again. They're 17 and 18. Uh, is this where the Knicks, well, they have to make a move. It, Will this continue, Keith? Are they going to continue playing good defense and keep this team together and keep that chemistry rolling? Well, we got to, we got to, yes, wins are wins and it's good for confidence and momentum. Obviously, they didn't beat, you know, three of the best teams in the NBA, obviously, but wins are wins and it's good for the Knicks to get there. The key to me is the fact that Kemba Walker is continuing to play and play well. And he may be even a bigger, and we've talked about this on this show a couple of times. Quentin Grimes is now a, a major part of that rotation and brings energy to that uh, uh, to that lineup that it didn't have before. And I think that's going to be a key going forward and also quickly had a good game coming back out of the COVID uh, protocol as well. Very, very important things. To, we have to remember during this 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 uh, this swoon that the, the, the Knicks have had, they've they've had all kinds of guys out of the, the, the lineup. Now, Grandel's in. COVID protocol. I don't know how many games he'll miss. He's going to miss at least one game, I think. Uh, Barrett's back and playing better, by the way, too. Um, look at this team. This is not – they do have to to uh, capitalize on this, uh, Mac, and they've got to get some momentum going because you you couldn't continue to fall behind, right? They're, they're a game under 500 now. 
um, they've got to be able to beat better teams the way they're beating these teams. And and defense, as we talked about week in and week out, was their identity last year, and it, they need to get back to that identity. And I think you're starting to see it. Um, and Grimes is a is a shutdown defender at, in that backcourt as well. So he's going to bring a lot to this team if if Thibodeau keep, ten, continues to play him as the team gets healthier. And all, all signs point to they will, at least as long as Rose is out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I mean, Kemba Walker, I thought would be a big, big get for the Knicks, but he, uh, of course, he had his problems earlier this year, and it's good to see that he's he's starting to come of come of age again. And, and good run right now. We definitely, definitely need him to play play well. I'm just encouraged that they're keeping teams under 90 points. That shows yeah. me that defense is starting to come back to the Knicks, and that's what makes them good right now. They don't have a scoring scoring machines on their team, um, or any superstars for that matter. So. Uh, that's the way they're going to win. The Patriots finish off with the Jags in Miami. Really interesting. I think if you look at the games, Jags, you should win. If you don't, if you don't beat the Jags, then uh, Belichick will probably shoot somebody. Um, Miami's going to be a tough one, Keith. Miami's got a big game against Tennessee. Uh, if they win that game, uh, you know, then they're nine and seven, and then they play you, and uh, you know, you should be ten and six. But Miami is in the wild, will, will probably be a wild card team if they could beat Tennessee. Um, well, you, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What do, Miami, you, what do you? Go ahead, go ahead. That's okay. Miami is playing really good football. Seven wins in a row. Obviously, if things stay as they are, even if they end up tied at the end of the year, uh, Miami is going to win the tiebreaker against the Patriots if they beat them that last week. Everything's going to come down most likely. Because uh, I don't see the Bills losing a division now myself. Uh, they've got they got the Jets, and I can't remember who they play this week uh, left, but nobody they should win both games. Yeah. Um, it's going to come down to the Patriots and the Dolphins, uh, no matter what happens this weekend, uh, most likely. Next weekend will be for a playoff spot. Yeah, Bills are playing the Falcons, so and they're playing in the Buffalo, go, right? so that, they'll win that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean don't be a Jets fan next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, the way that's the way you know me and Jack were talking, you know, all the preseason favorites we thought, and then all of a sudden the league went into craziness where you know everybody was beating everybody and the bad teams are beating supposedly the good teams. But it looks like at the end of the year the, the early season predictions are coming true, right? I mean, you got all the people that were favorite, except for maybe Cincinnati up yeah. near first place. So uh Despite all the parity, the, the cream rises to the top. Now, New England is a real interesting case to me because you have the coach. Your defense is not as good as it looks. I mean, they bend but don't break, but that leads to ball control. And your quarterback still needs to take it to the next level. I don't know if he can do that in the next few games, Keith. Well, the problem there is, you know, the, it, you know, and it, it's a bit of a cliche about the rookie wall, but it's, I think it's a real thing. And you either hit it and you stop, which it's clear to me that the last two games, Mac Jones has hit that wall and, or you fight through it. Guys have done that. And it's, th- this is a big, uh, this, even this week against Jacksonville is a key for, and it's, it's a good time to play Jacksonville, right. And get a little confidence back in Mac Jones. I'm sure he's, I'm sure his confidence is waning a little bit, 
um, with the way he's played the last couple of weeks. But the Patriots as a whole have got to get back to being more physical. That's what they were during their winning streak. They were out physicaling team. And that's not even a word, but that's what they were doing. They were beating teams up at the line of scrimmage. And they were just, even on defense, roughing up wide receivers, playing very physical football. And they've gotten away from that a little bit. And, you know, they're starting, they were starting to believe their own hype. J.C. Jackson this week was talking about how they should name an island after him. And I'm like, just shut up. And he played a horrible game on Sunday. Of course he did. I'll name Noah, I'll like uh, Atlantis. We'll name that island after you because that's sank to the bottom of the ocean, J.C. Right. right. You know, well, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm still confident they can turn this around. If anybody, if any coaching staff is going to do it, it's this one. And uh, you know, again, they just need to get back to what they're doing. They still ran the football well last week. Damian Harris had a good game. Now maybe they should have committed a little more to it, but they just have to get more physical and get a, get out in front of these games. They're falling behind in these games, and that's what's really hurting what they want to do on offense. So. I mean, a great, a great division. I, I, the Jets. I mean, you know, they, they, they seem to. Some games they seem to improve. Some games they don't. Uh, but I mean, I, I for them to break through next year. I mean, I can see this division being the toughest division in the league for the next few years if Miami keeps doing what they're doing. It's gonna be hard to win this division. I'll tell you, this Miami uh, Tennessee game is very interesting to me this weekend because Mike Vrabel has done a great job keeping his team together when Derek Henry went down. Maybe for the season, maybe not. He may be back next week, uh, but how healthy is he going to be? Frank, Mike Vrabel's done a tremendous job oh. keeping his team alive for the best record yet still in, in the AFC. So, Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Well, Keith, I want to thank you for joining us. We'll let you get on with your day. You have a happy new year. We'll see you, too, you guys. next week. And as I said, TGI Sports will also be going to the Roku channel with the rest of Northeast Dreaming Sports. 3 January it starts. That's our kickoff. Go download the app. Hit the, get, if you have a Roku TV, just uh, get the channel. Search the channel for Northeast Streaming Sports, and you'll see all the shows over there as we go live there through January. Again, Keith, thank Looking you. Yeah, me too. You have a great day, and Happy New Year again. Happy New Year. We'll, we'll see you in the new year, Sunday morning. Definitely. So there you go, folks. TGI Sports Talk with Keith Angle. Um, I have Philly sports guy patiently waiting backstage as we do our timeout. Jack is going to have to split and go do cover a boxing event, which is his way in. Yes. A way in. Well, that's an event, I guess. Right. <laughs> I guess yeah. Yeah, wow. they're like, a way. they're like events. So Jack will be doing his, his other job that pays far less than this one. But anyway, uh, so joining me for the last half hour, we'll have Pags on with me and, uh, we'll be right back folks after these messages. shakes, lean, beefy cheeseburgers and hamburgers, icy cold soft drinks, and here's a plus, spill-proof lids on all beverages, another plus, napkins that are big as a bib, quality, cleanliness, extra care service, that's McDonald's, a total value that's unmatched anywhere. McDonald's is our kind of place, it's such a happy place, McDonald's is our kind of place.
the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. When the job is done, this guy will be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. How do you handle a hungry man, the manhandlers? One of the manhandlers is Campbell's Vegetable Beef. Gets a man-sized supper off to a good hot start. Mmm, good. The manhandlers. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just... And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. See right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right, I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate. Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn! Hey, isn't he? Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm Mac, your host. Jack had to check out to go to a boxing weigh-in. As most of you know that follow the show, he is a boxing writer, works for Boxing News out of UK. Been doing it for over, oh, shoot, 50, 60 years. Hall of Famer. But uh, to kind of fill in and come in on a, as a weekly guest, as he does every Friday, we have the Philly sports guy himself. Jamie Pags, let's bring him up. How you doing today, James? Good morning, Mac. How are you? I, I didn't call you Pags like I normally do. I don't know why, but you know. that's yeah. I, and I still responded like it was nothing. So <laughs> I it's like, you, I, you, like you can call me just about anything. <laughs> and lately, everybody has been. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we all go through that. I get called a lot of things besides my name too. Trust me, um, Pags. You know, I mean. I was talking to Keith and, and Jack about this. The NFL this year, we had a lot of preseason favorites. You, you picked the Eagles to finish over 500. Great pick. 
most people didn't didn't think that. But the NFL's been a little weird this year, right? A lot of teams they were talking all parody and all this good stuff. But in the end, the good teams, the teams that we thought in preseason were going to end up in first, for the most part, are in first place, right? We picked, you know, Kansas City. We thought was going to get there. Um, we thought Buffalo was going to get there. Um, that uh, you know that the Dallas Cowboys were the preseason favorite, Tampa Bay, you know, and so on. But the only team that I can think of, and I'm, I'm going to go off uh, off the Eagles for a second, that we didn't expect to do anything was Cincinnati. We thought they would have a, a decent team this year. But, man, they played really good this year. They have a shot at uh, clinching that division up. And, you know, part of it's because Ben got a little older, Cleveland, you know, Baker Mayfield and the problems they have there. And Baltimore just doesn't look like Baltimore this year. I don't know if it's because Jackson or, you know, the receivers aren't uh, – up to par, or their running backs have been hurt. A lot, of, a lot of teams have a lot of problems. You got any thoughts about the Bengals? I mean, do you think they could beat Kansas City this week and maybe get up there to be, you know, amongst the best teams in the league? Uh, I think that they definitely have a possibility. Uh, when I watched, and when I watched Burroughs play against the Eagles last year, where they uh, they played to a tie, uh, it. I watched that kid get crushed by the defense i think we got eight sacks that game and he got up and he brushed it off and, and he was he, he was a competitor and i said then i think that this guy this kid's for real uh, I, and he proved it this year i mean he came back off that injury and, and has led this team over and over again and, and right now they're on the top of the division I, with the way that they have won the last few games uh, i think that they definitely have a chance the hard part is going to be scoring on that defense that, you know, the Kansas city defense has showed up, which is, uh, wasn't there in the beginning of the season. You know, even when they played the Eagles, it was, uh, it was a, an outscoring duel where they able to stop us and you can't trade seven points for three points against, uh, against that team. You have to, you have to, you know, as they say, put the puck in the net. Got to score touchdowns. You can't go, can't go field goals. Uh, the Bengals actually have a better defense now, too. Uh, I think they're fourth against the rush, which means that you have to, you know, you're going to make Patrick Mahomes beat you, and he absolutely can. Right. Uh, the the spread being only five points, uh, that tells me that you know even Vegas thinks that the, the Bengals have a shot here. Right. Uh, do they win the game? I don't know. I think even keeping it close gives them enough uh, to be able to go on. And it's possible that you they could be seeing each other again in the playoffs in the second round. Yeah, it's their offense definitely has a lot of weapons, and their defense is playing better than it has in the past. As you said, Kansas City, you know, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, their defense came together at the end because they went through a losing streak that back then too. Well, I think they lost three or four games in a row, and the defense finally turned it around. It looks like they have again. We'll find out as as the playoffs go along. So let's let's get into the NFC real quick. Uh, uh, beside the Eagles, the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks and the Packers, and in the Rams. I think because Arizona's, you know, they're going to have to pull together if they're going to do anything, and they haven't been able to do it in the last four games. But they're going to really have to pull together if they got a if they have a shot here. But you would think. The Rams, the Cowboys, um, the Green Bay Packers, and the Bucks, they all got high-powered offenses. It's a defense that I think is going to win the game. And out of those four teams, 
And we'll get the Eagles after this. What team do you think has got the better defense bet? I'd have to say I'd have to say the Packers out of okay. the top four. Uh, I think that they're probably the most complete team. Uh, then, uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I, I think that the Cowboys are, are really second on that list. I don't trust the Rams. I think I think that Stafford isn't as great uh, an answer as he sh- as they thought he was going to be. And I know that their defense is coming on a little bit stronger now, but you know, I I, I don't I don't trust them yet. Like I, I still think that they're they are on the outside looking in, even though they may be a division winner. Um, you know, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are falling apart. You know, at at the worst time it seems. At uh, the Cowboys, the Cowboys are doing okay. I guess you know they're having a little bit of a hard time with their offense, even though they scored fifty six points against uh, against a, a tired Washington football team. Uh, my my expectation is is that they are still they still need to work out some of the kinks. It, it's going to be an interesting playoffs, especially now that this is the super wild card where we have seven playoff teams in there instead of six. That only the number one seed gets the buy. Uh, I like that whole idea. I, I like the fact that there's only one team that gets that week off, and, and it's going to be interesting. I, I I have a feeling that it's possible that we could see a wild card team host a home game in the second round of the playoffs. It's very possible, Peg. Very possible. So let's get to your Eagles. I mean, they they played well, especially the second half against the Giants. They put it out of reach quick. Not a big accomplishment by any means, really, because the Giants really don't have a good team this year. But they come up against the Skins. I call them the Redskins, though I'm old school. You can hate me if you want. But that Washington team looks kind of deflated right now. So I don't – unless the coach can motivate the the Washington team to uh, really give you a great effort, you guys should put away Washington this week. You know, I, I I say the same thing. However, the line being only three points is yeah. is telling something, and I'm not sure what it's telling. Uh, the fact that I, I mean, could Vegas be so far off? Could they just because it's divisional game? Uh, I know that right now, you know, that there has been some stresses, outside stresses that have stressed the locker room in Washington. Besides the fact that they're fighting with each other. You know, with the finger in the face and, and and the punches thrown on the defense, I mean, I that I think that was frustration boiling over. You know, I, I don't think that that had anything more to do than that, and I think that that's probably over and done with. However, I, you had the, you know, the one guy's brother was you know tragically shot and killed, uh, and another guy on that team is you know got into that car accident, and it was an unfortunate situation for. Uh, his family and such. So, and and not to go into too much detail, but I I think that those types of situations are starting to, uh, are going to creep in some. So the fact that this is only three points still, I mean, take it into consideration, maybe the rain. I don't know. I don't know why it's only three points. I think the Eagles are a much better team, even though they are playing in Washington. I, I would have expected to see that number somewhere around five or six. Not a three. You know, but, that leads me to a question because I that just pops in my head. Everybody says what a great coach Ron Rivera was. He went through that battle with cancer last year. Um, you know, he, he did a good job with the Panthers. 
But to say he's a great coach, I mean, when you say great, you know, uh, coaches come to mind, you know, you, Bill Belichick, Tomlin, you know, Harbaugh, even uh, even down in uh, Seattle, um, his name, I got a brain freeze right now, uh, Pete Carroll. Yeah. I mean, that's who I think of. And they're saying Ron Rivera is a great coach. Is he really a great coach? I mean, you know, this team, you know, had a great defense. They had to get a, a quarterback, which they haven't resolved in the last couple of years. Their running game is okay. It's getting it got a little better. The passing game, a little bit better. But is he really a great coach? Uh, I think he's a good coach. I wouldn't put him in the great category. I mean, when to be a great coach, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you left Andy Reid off of that list. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there are, I mean, there are a number of great coaches that are in the league right now. Then I think that there's second tier, and I put him in the second tier. I don't think that he, yeah, the fact that he was able to coach through cancer and stuff like that, I, I believe that that motivated his team. You know, I, I know it specifically motivated the team in the second half of the Eagles game in the first week of the season last year when, when he was there for the first half and then had to go get rushed to the hospital. And that's when they diagnosed him with cancer. So when when that happened, obviously the team played for him, and it was probably their best half of football for the first eight weeks of the season. Yeah. And, and you know when that happened, it's and then he comes back. Now you're kind of fighting. You're you're fighting for the coach just because that you know he does have a name. He has been in the NFL for a long time. That all being said, I mean, what's he's only been to one Super Bowl. He's been to the playoff like, yeah, I mean, he's been to like the playoffs like five or six times. He hasn't been there. He's not perennial. He doesn't get there every year. Uh, And I feel like good coaches or great coaches find a way to make it there every year. Yeah, at least least nine out of ten, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you can't be perfect every season. But, you know, I just everybody talked about, you know, Washington picks up, you know, a great coach. And I watched them and they, they improved definitely. And. And they kind of fell off, and and uh, you know for a lot of reasons. But a lot of teams have the same problems they have uh, back. You know, they a lot of teams are going through a lot of things. And then it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder what would have happened if Fitzpatrick was healthy this season. You know, yeah. I I said at the beginning of the season that I didn't think that uh, the Washington football team was going to get anywhere until they put Heineke at quarterback. And then he, of course he had to start the season, and he's been here all season long, and they haven't really gone anywhere. Yeah. So. Uh, it makes me wonder: Would have Fitz, would Fitzpatrick have been a better option? At, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's funny because they have a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback who's the third string in Chicago, who still got it because obviously he just beat Seattle. You know, mm-hmm. a, a game winning drive and beat Seattle. Not that Seattle's the the Seattle of a couple of years ago, but even still, I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that I think are going to be changing teams this year. So he's going to have his options available to him. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know that Nick Foles would be the answer. Uh, Gardner Minshew, you know, I think he's going to be really unhappy staying here. Uh, I know that there's been some rumblings and grumblings after the Jets game that he wanted to try to remain the starter. And, you know, Nick Sirianni just shot him down completely. Uh, And I think that that really killed his confidence. So. Uh, I think that he's going to be looking to move again. So I think that you're this year 
you're going to see a tremendous amount of quarterbacks switching teams and such. Yeah, and I wouldn't – A couple of big ones too, Bag. You might see Aaron Rodgers might leave Green Bay still, and Russell Wilson might leave Seattle. There's a couple of big ones out there that might leave. You know, I, I – I, I, I'm so tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. I think that that is all just – you know, I think he needs the, the drama around him. You know, I think that's I think that that he competes better with the drama around him. So that's why he's like, oh, well, I, I'm considering retirement. I want to leave. I think he's going to retire in Green Bay. And that's we'll just going to be that. We'll find out, because from what I heard from the sources I've heard from, he still has his mind made up that he's leaving. And I think that's crazy. But we'll see what happens. I mean, but those are two huge names, not counting all the ones you're talking about, which are some big names also. So, right. After you get with Washington, you got Dallas. You know, we'll see if Dallas keeps their foot on the gas or not at the end of the year. They haven't done it in the past sometimes. Ray Jones has rested their players. Uh, if it stays the same, if everything stays copacetic here, if every team enters the playoffs like it is right now, you guys would play Dallas in the first round. If all the standings stay the same, all the places stay the same, you'd have to beat Dallas twice. I don't know if you can do that. You might have a shot at him the last game. In the playoffs, if you lose last game, you might have a shot at him in the playoffs. I'm not sure. I think you could split with him. Uh, I think you could possibly, possibly split with the Dallas Cowboys. I think Dallas Cowboys' defense has gotten a lot better under Brady Quinn than last year, that's for sure. So you say you win this week. You got the last game against Dallas. They got, they're going full out. That's going to be Well, I, I, you know, so I, I, I've been – I have been – talking uh I, I guess bantering is a better word uh in, in a lot of the nfc east groups on facebook uh with dallas fans saying that i want dallas i want to play dallas back to back i feel that our team right now is much better than it is and it was in week three mm-hmm. i think that dallas isn't as strong as they were in week three mm-hmm. and i think that it would make a really good matchup i think that uh, it, our team now, you know, our two teams now, and I don't think the last week's going to mean anything. I, to be honest, uh, you know, interestingly enough, this, you know, we could clinch the playoff spot, but I feel like that the one team that's going to stop us from doing that is going to be the 49ers losing. I, I actually have that as an upset of the week. I think Houston, as a 12-and-a-half-point dog, is going to go into San Francisco and actually beat them. They've been playing and, great. Well, and the the new the new quarterback I think is really going to be the big telltale there. So them losing would actually hold back the Eagles from clinching. Even if Minnesota loses and the Saints lose, uh, it would still not clinch because of the possibility of a three way tie. If a three way tie was to happen between Minnesota, San Francisco, and the Eagles, the Eagles would be that team out. So. That's that's why it would that last game against Dallas would mean something. I don't think Minnesota beats Green Bay this week at all, and it's you know if if San Francisco does beat Houston and Minnesota loses, the Eagles winning would solve the problem. Again, the fact that it's a three point spread makes me a little nervous. What does Vegas know that I don't? Um, well, but, the, Eagles, the Eagles only favor over by three over the Giants at three and a half. Uh, yeah, I thought that line was. I thought that line was wackadoo too. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I think, I think I think a lot of a lot of a lot of that has to do with 
fans that bet the giant fans bet a lot on the giants which is ridiculous and i think washington fans will bet a lot on washington which i think is ridiculous too you got to look at the i mean i was almost dead on with that score last week i i, I said 37 13 and who would have thought that at the end of the first half that i'd have gotten anywhere close to that yeah you know yeah. so but it's you know it's funny there was a giants fan behind me who had bet the under and it was 3-3 at halftime and when they scored that touchdown Two minutes into the second half, I turned around. I said, you should sell that bet right now. He didn't sell the bet. And he lost. Yeah. So he, he should have listened to me because the over-under was 45, I think it was. And we wound up you know, crushing that um, by scoring 34 points. Yeah. yeah that no being said, uh, it's going to be raining and it's going to be uh, blustery. I mean, it's on Sunday, it's going from like 64 degrees to 29 degrees here. Wow. So... It's going to be a, a tremendous drop over that time. And, you know, I got to imagine, like, they're not going to be celebrating New Year's like everybody else is going to be celebrating New Year's. I can't imagine that they're going to be hung over or anything like that. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I think that the Eagles will win it. I think that, they're, you know, it's possible that they would clinch the, the wild, that seventh seven seed, and then they're going to rest all of their people for that last game of the season. So will Dallas. Dallas will still win, and then it will remain the two seven, you know, the number two seed versus the seven seed, and we're going to have to go into Dallas. And I kind of relish that situation. I want to see how that happens. Uh, I, I'd love, yeah, for anything else. I mean, obviously, Dallas is the one team that we would know the most about. I, I, and I think that we would have the best chance of winning in the playoffs against. You know, know, just uh, I, I mean, hey, listen, they're, they're a better team on paper. Uh, I would rather I would rather go up against them because that's going to be our measuring stick. Well, sure. I, I, I so yeah, that leads and, me that leads to my next question, Pags. If the Eagles finish nine and eight, right? If they finish with all and they don't win a game in the playoffs, they finish nine and eight, and say for some reason, I'm I, I'm not sure that you're saying correctly because you got you got the Rams, the Cardinals. One of those are going to be a playoff team. You know, you, you've got San Francisco will probably be a playoff team. We'll see. So I guess you would get the last, the last playoff position if you go nine and eight. I'm thinking. I'm not, I might be wrong. But uh, so if we were to go nine and eight, we would be in the number seven spot. Too. We would not be able to jump over San Francisco. Uh, there is a possibility where we could wind up with the number six seed. And I guess if, if. If uh, Arizona keeps losing and they wind up ten and seven, I mean, I guess it's possible that we could wind up in the number five seed. But I, I think that that's really far fetched. Uh, I don't expect that to happen at all. I think so, that's yeah. So if you guys make the playoffs but lose, uh, and and suppose for some, just say the scenario is not this. Say this is a scenario: the Eagles go nine and eight, didn't make the playoffs. Is that a good season for the Eagles? Yes. Okay, the because everybody everybody thought that we would be around six wins, so we've yeah. already beaten that by three wins. I think that the quarterback has shown a tremendous amount of improvement. That the you know Nick Nick Sirianni has also shown uh, a tremendous amount of growth, and that alone makes it a successful season. If we were to make it to the playoffs and lose, I think that that's even better. I, and the only reason why I think getting to the playoffs is important here because you just get to see the speed turned up some 
You get to see the difference, and it, it gives you that experience level. Uh, a lot of these players on this team right now that, you know, there's only a couple of people left over from the Super Bowl season. There's there's maybe four or five of them left. Everybody else is new and has not been to the playoffs in a couple of years. So that's that's something that I feel is important to just give them that experience. And it don't matter whether they lose or not. You know, it, it just making it to the playoffs definitely beat all the project projections because, I mean, even some people had this team going 3-14. and 14. Yeah. So yeah. – you know, I mean, you. I, hey, listen, I, I've been busting you guys chops about the fact that you guys played the Twilight Zone on me when I said nine and eight, and here it is. We're going to be nine and eight. Maybe. <laughs> so, maybe well, possible. We could be eight yeah. and nine, but I'm still a lot closer yeah. than right. you guys thought it would be uh, right. by by saying that it would be nine and eight. And and I thought that the, I thought that our schedule was going to play a part of that, and it does. It did. So yeah. I yeah. I I want to beat Dallas. I want to play Dallas just because. I want to see – I like those NFC East battles. And even though I expect that if we were to get there in Dallas, it was going, it would be like a three-to-one chance that we would win. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't expect that we would win that game, uh, especially because I've seen what it's like when Dallas is a hostile environment. I've also seen it when it's really easy to go play in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, and – you know, the last time we were there, that Monday night football at the beginning of the season, it was a very hostile environment, and it was something much different than I'm used to seeing in Dallas. Uh, I'd expect that it would be some similar to that, but I think the Eagles would be a lot more prepared going forward. I don't expect that you'd see the coach wearing the, you know, beat Dallas T-shirts or any of that. I don't think he's going to be going to try to be a Philly guy. I think he's going to stick with what works. You know, he planted the flowers. It's starting to bloom now. You know, and that's that's really what uh, has been working. And you just stick with it. You know, I think that the key here to Philadelphia this year and next year is how well Jalen Hurts plays. If he keeps turning the ball over, which he has a he does do when he throws the ball sometimes or if he fumbles the ball like he does sometimes, there's going to be a question mark for you guys with him going forward. I think he brings a lot of a lot of uh, uh, advantage to you with the way he can run with the ball and he can throw on the run too. I mean, that does bring his advantages, but to be a true, true leader, a true great quarterback with the Eagles, he's going to have to get a little bit smarter upstairs as far as when to throw it, when not to throw it. His father was a coach. So the kid is not dumb. I know that when it comes to football. But he's just got to learn to protect the ball better, maybe pre-read defenses better. These are things that's going to – he's still a rookie to me. I don't care. If, I don't care if he's uh, – Well, and 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 that's that's correct. I think that this offseason – I mean, first off, I believe that he's earned his opportunity to yes. start again next year. So that, that being the case, he's going to go into this offseason being the guy – you know, at least for at least for another season, and he's going to have all of the film to be able to watch and see all the things that he did. I I expect to see a big upgrade in the football acumen. Obviously, you can't teach arm strength. I think that that's still going to be an issue. Uh, I think that you he will get much better football IQ 
because he's been there. He's going to be able to see some of the problems that he's had. He's going to be able to resolve some of those. Yes, turnovers are still going to be an issue. you got to make sure not to turn the ball over. And if you're running with the ball outside here, I mean, he's a running quarterback, so he has a little bit of the Mike Vick in him where he's holding the ball out and all you got to do is swipe it away some and such. Those are the types of things that you're, you got to get better at. Uh, but my expectation is, is that he is going to get better at that. He likes working on his craft and yeah. that's, and that's important, especially, you know, having a you know father who's a coach. I, I think that he's going to, he's going to have a huge jump in that regards because now he has a full season under him. And that's why, that's why I think the playoffs are really important here just to give him that experience as well. That's a good point. Guys, because, you know, listen, Dak Prescott, uh, Prescott's got a lot of potential but he hasn't been able to really win the big game. And he's got to be, that's another hurdle he's got to overcome. And right now he's, you know, miles ahead of, of Jalen. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, real quick, uh, your 76ers beat the Nets, which Embiid and, and listen, Max, Maxi continues to play really well for you guys. Uh, I, if there's a, uh, a most valuable player to me this year for you guys is Maxi. He's been, he's done a great job for you all this year. Um, so you guys are still valid there. You're in sixth place. And uh, and even in the NHL, um, even your Flyers are still in the hunt. It's still early. I think they're only a, a few games back of the fourth position. So you guys are still valid. There's still a shot there, Pags. So, uh, yeah, after that 10-game losing streak, we've we've gone on a 5-0-2. Uh, yeah. uh, we, we tie we, – we, high loss last night against San Jose, who's probably one of the best teams in the West this year. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, beating Seattle coming off of that week and a half long, you know, hiatus. Uh, Seattle's not, you know, of course, being an expansion team, they're not the great team right now, but got to put together the wins. Yeah. I don't know if it's the coaching staff that's doing this or, you know, just how the pendulum swings when it goes, when you lose so many games, eventually you got to come back and it's going to start to win some a certain amount of games. Uh, the interesting thing about the Flyers is, is that uh, every time that they have lost 10 games in a row that season, they've made the playoffs. Well, well, so it's actually, uh, it's actually been it's something that's bonded them. It's a good omen. Huh? So anyway, so all, uh, listen, all the Philadelphia teams are relevant. I uh, still, I mean, it's still early in, in, in basketball and hockey, but you're not definitely in the bottom, uh, you know, not having a chance yet. It's still early in the season. And I, I think the 76ers may not be able to be a playoff team right now. They may have to make a move or something, but uh, they'll get in the playoffs. I don't think they'll win right now as the team's constructed, but they'll get there. What I did like last night is the chippiness. They was a little bit of chippiness uh, yeah. between the Sixers and the Nets, and, and that showed me something. You know, like that was there was a little bit of fire, and, mm. and I, I feel like this team needs a little bit of fire. That it's they they have been lackluster yeah. in, in a lot of games, and this was a game where they felt they needed to play. Plus, we had a group of people up there, so I mean, there was a bunch of uh, people from Philadelphia that went up to go watch that game. So it was good to see. Uh, yeah, Philly sports trips again come back with a big win. That all our bus trips so far were undefeated. So that's Excellent. another good thing since we're going down to Washington. Excellent, man. Excellent. Hey, Pags, thanks for joining me for the full half hour here. Uh, like I said, Jack had to take off. It's always a pleasure having you on as a co-host. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Hopefully things turn around in New Year for everybody out there. It's been a rough year, a rough couple of years, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. But as I said before, we've survived a lot of things worse than this 
and uh, we've always seen to bring it back together. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow on the Jack, Mac and Jack Debate Show with Dr. Paul Semendinger. Uh, and uh, we'll see you Sunday on the big show with Pags here. Hope coming in, giving us our Philly update. Have a great, have a great night today, folks. And again, uh, if I don't see you tomorrow, Happy New Year. Take it easy. Happy New Year, everybody. Be safe. There you go. There you go.